Well, hi, dear Hope Church. I missed you deeply. And it is a gift to be able to go away on vacation. And I appreciate that because it's um, a collective effort to keep the church running. And also, because of your generosity, I'm able to take time off. I am aware that's a privilege not everyone has. We did um, six canyons in 12 days. (laughs) And when we were cranky and tired of driving, we said things like, man, we're driving hundreds of miles to see a bunch of dirt and holes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But like all time away whether you're able to go somewhere or just sit in your living room or see the beautiful exotic um, landscape and, and walk through geologic time. When I think, oh, the next five minutes is what matters. Oh, wait, no, wait. <laughs> and also, we were uh, sort of tracing um, the path of the ancient Anasazi or the ancient Puebloans on some level. We were doing that consciously and unconsciously. And because we all survived, traveling with... um, I know traveling with young children in a car is um, a harrowing experience, but I I was a little nervous about traveling with a 22-year-old who actually can fully express opinions (laughs) that are logical and continue in depth in their um, import, really, should be a lawyer, this one. <laughs> to, to symbolize the fact that we all made it through when we were in Utah, in the land of the Grand Canyon, um, I said, let's do something wacky to memorialize that we are all together, honor, not memorialize. Um, so I bought temporary tattoos. We are not a tattoo family. <laughs> Some are. (laughs) I honor those who are. Um, So we got little bees, and we're we're all wearing tattoos. In fact, our administrator said, did you get a tattoo? (laughs) She knows me pretty well. But I'm interested in tattoos because they are a statement of, of permanence, of I believe in this idea, I believe in this image, I believe in these words. And maybe it's a control issue, but I'm not sure I'm ready to ever commit to anything, except (laughs) then I think, well, what the heck is this project that we're doing here as a church? And I am willing to call myself a Unitarian Universalist. So I I am willing to stake a claim. So I back up a minute and say what I said before the prayer. This is that time of month where we, this is the month, not the time of month. This is the month where we, we take a few steps back to look at the foundation of our religious tradition. And it's complicated. And we try to explain to ourselves and go, are we still grounded in what makes us fundamentally a community here? 
and also talk about for those who might be church shopping or have moved because they have new schools or um, moved within Tulsa or moved to Tulsa and are checking us out and go, wow, I didn't know there was a community like this to explain ourselves a little bit. So I made sure, I, I, you know, back in May, have wacky ideas and thought, I'm interested in the invisible hyphen that's in our name, Unitarian hyphen, Universalist. We're a wedding of two different uh, religious traditions. And we have people who are Unitarian Universalist and have other hyphens that they've added to their name. So I asked Gary McAlpin to talk about his hyphen, or one of his hyphens, of Unitarian Universalist and Cherokee. And I know he talked about the sacred fire of our, our chalice and sacred Cherokee fire. And I asked Sister Ellie, who is a hyphen in many levels. She's an Anglican nun hyphen, solitary, meaning she's not uh, connected to any specific church, doesn't, um, anyway. And she considers herself Buddhist. But we're, we're really all hyphens. I mean, the minute you become a parent, you're a human being, and then you're a parent, too. And that's a whole uh, different, how do, you, how do you wed those identities, and how do you wed them with integrity, that's really what I'm interested in, is how do you wed them with integrity? And when do you shed an identity and go, you know, I am no longer that? Which may be why I'm reluctant to get a tattoo. I'm fickle, and what the Buddhists talk about as monkey mind, I think I'm following a trail here, and then I'll realize, wait, no, it's just my mind following its own pleasure. So back to being Unitarian Universalist. Have you ever noticed that um, our chalice here is a beautiful thing and specific in that it has these two circles? And that was specifically designed back in the 60s when we merged, when Unitarians merged with Universalists to represent that there are two separate lineages that are supporting each other, separate but still together. So if you'd gotten a tattoo with a chalice on it and a single circle, you had to go back to the tattoo parlor and say, I want another one. And you think... Tattoos are some millennial discussion we're having. This hyphen, this hyphen that we all are existing with, is, represents so many things. It represents our willingness to be open-hearted. And we Unitarians, we're going to let you Universalists come sit beside us. And you, the Universalists are willing to let the Unitarians. And then we're willing to let all those other hyphens join us. I've rehearsed this sermon, which is how I do things. For those of you who are new, I used to write out my sermons uh, and agonize over each individual word. 
and then I loosened myself up and still plan them and agonize. And the agonizing I'm having today is we were gone while Charlottesville happened. And I didn't hear from anyone in the church, which on one level is blessed you. (laughs) And then the other hand, a part of me thought, wait, we have a lot to say to what is happening with symbols and with whose history gets told and whose history doesn't get told. And did we miss opportunities or are we missing opportunities? And then I thought, so what does our hyphen tell us about how to respond to Charlottesville? So that's one sermon I would have written and delivered had I written it all out carefully. And the other sermon is to tell you that in part I'm struggling with my own hyphen of being... I'm willing to call myself Buddhist. I've said that to you before. I actually take vows back to saying prayers every day that would be considered Buddhist vows that I don't consider contrary to being a Unitarian Universalist minister. So I've started trying to understand these two parts of my life that have felt like they had um, a whole slew of hyphens connected to them. I was keeping them like this, I realized, no, wait, they really inform each other. They are more like this interlocking circle. And how to do that with integrity here as your minister, which is the same of our question of how do we be together with integrity as a hyphen Unitarian Universalist church and respond to what's happening in Charlottesville and the whole nation in general. And the hyphen really is short. They're not that disparate. And what I've come to find is, so I'll I'll, I'll talk about, um, I've started doing a lot of reading about the history of, so I think what's happening in Charlottesville and in our nation is about history and our need to be reading history and when statues were built and why they're built to whom and why schools were named. We live half a mile from Lee School. Um, why do we have this symbol here? Why isn't it just a flame? Why do we have this, what looks like we call it a chalice? There's history to it, and it does matter what it represents, and it matters what it doesn't represent. So I have three points about the intersection of Unitarian Universalism and Buddhism I want to tell you. Because I thought, oh, this is something that primarily happened in the 60s when Unitarian Universalists came together and Buddhism became um, renowned in the United States because of Alan Watts and Jack Kornfield and, and, um, and the Beatles. And when, when the East, when Eastern religion sort of became uh, de rigueur in the 60s and 70s. But no... No, lo and behold, it is much, much deeper. So back in the 1700s, Hannah Adams, second cousin to John, um, was actually one of the first women to be paid as a writer in the United States. And she published, um, because her father 
had to declare bankruptcy and the kids needed to help raise money, she started writing and she published a dictionary encyclopedia of world religions. And she was Unitarian Universalist. And she really is one of the first ones that made connections between what it meant to be Unitarian. Sorry, did I say Unitarian Universalist? The two were still separate then. So Hannah Adams, Unitarian only. Then, now this is a wacky story. (laughs) Our Unitarian tradition dramatically changed the history of Japan. So there were five fishermen in Japan. This is now after Hannah Adams had written her encyclopedia and opened people's minds to the possibility. In fact, what she was trying to do was all the descriptions of religion that she read said, you know, they're all condemning of everyone else. And intellectually, that didn't make sense to her. So that's that story. I know, I'd moved on to Japan. So about 50 years later, there are five young men in one family, five brothers, who are fishing and get stranded off of an island in Japan. Well, at that time, Japan is a closed nation. Consider our, uh, think of our immigration discussions as you hear this part of the story. Uh, It was a capital offense to leave Japan, and it was a capital offense to return or for a foreigner to come to Japan because Catholic missionaries had been there and been up to a lot of shenanigans that shook up the whole country. So when the five men got stranded on this island, in effect, they couldn't return. Well... A Boston whaling ship passes by the island where they are, picks them up, feeds them, clothes them, realizes that they are stuck, and takes them to the kingdom of Hawaii. Except one of the brothers, the youngest one, the captain really takes uh, an interest in him. He's got a curiosity and is willing to learn a new language and is thoughtful and wants to know thing, and he's willing to go all the way back to Massachusetts with the captain. So he does. And I'm going to look up his name because I've just forgotten it. And he takes on an anglicized name. Um, Nakahama Manhiro is his name. This is 1841. So he he goes to... Massachusetts, he's the very first Japanese that anyone has ever seen. He learns English. He tries going to the Methodist church where the captain attends, and they will have nothing to do with him and won't let him in. Ah, but who will? The Unitarian Church. So he becomes immersed in the progressive thinking of Unitarianism. And he learns to be a cooper, and he studies. um, And then California gold fever happens, and he heads that way, tries to make his fame, and uh, another captain is willing to take him back 
to Japan, because by then Japan has opened up. So he's able to go back home and be reunited with his family. But he's now been exposed to this, oh my, all the hyphens one could imagine. All the ideas, all the intellectual possibilities. And um, Japan is horrified. (laughs) Who is this? He looks like one of us, but now is talking about ideas that are... So they have a religious test for him. And that is he has to step on, a gra- on an image of the Virgin Mary and do this. Well, now he's Unitarian. It doesn't matter. So he does that. They go, oh, okay, you're welcome back here. So what happens is he goes on and helps found a, a university and um, Unitarians, the, the, the story gets infinitely more complicated and interesting because we actually send missionaries, although we're not there to convert, we're there to expose them to ideas, but we send Japanese uh, American missionaries to Japan who start a Unitarian, they call it a temple, but there's still Unitarian churches there. And um, it impacts the Buddhism of the day. And so the Unitarianism and the openness to scholarship, to ideas, to paying attention to your experiences, completely changed the Pure Land Buddhism of Japan. We had an impact on Buddhism. Who knew? There's more to that story, trust me. Because then I'll move on to the transcendentalists. Again, back to New England. And Elizabeth Peabody. She's the um, business manager of what is the transcendentalist journal of the day, The Dial. And she's the very first woman American person, all of those hyphens, to translate the Lotus Sutra into English. And the Lotus Sutra is this classic, on some level, Unitarian text that says you've got to be open to ideas. And you have to be open to ideas with compassion. And that is the rule that you use to judge whether an idea is of value. Is it a compassionate idea? Compassionate not just for yourself, but for everyone else. So it's how you judge the hyphen. Is that hyphen valuable if it adds compassion to who you are and how you identify yourself? So I started thinking about the hyphens at Charlottesville. Can you be anti-fa, anti-fascist, and violent, and call yourself American? I'm not going to answer that for you. I have an opinion, but it's, it's a hyphen. Can you be a neo-Nazi, which is already hyphenated, right? And an American. Is that a hyphen that has value? 
or is even possible? Or is it an oxymoron? How many hyphens that people are spouting today are actually oxymorons? Can't exist. Because I'm looking for what, what lens do I look Charlottesville? What lenses do I use to look at Charlottesville? Um, and is a hyphen enough of a tattoo to acknowledge that different identities are of value and that we agree to sit next to each other even though we have different religious and philosophical identities? And when is a philosophical idea or a theological idea dangerous enough to warrant speaking out against or even violence against? I think we have a lot to talk about. How, where are we unified? Where are there absolutely no hyphens and we are all one people with a common understanding of what it is to be in this world? And how are we hyphenated and willing to let someone be completely different? Those aren't simple and easy answers or places. I was struck by, um, and I put this on my Facebook page, the columnist, uh, she's an op-ed author, writer, Danielle Ad- Allen. Because I thought she described really well what we're trying to do and what that hyphen in whatever identity you have means. She says, the simple fact of the matter is that the world has never built a multi-ethnic democracy in which no particular ethnic group is in the majority. And where political equality, social equality, and economics that empower have all been achieved. We are engaged in a fight over whether to work together to build such a world. And I think, well, that's what we keep practicing here every Sunday and every day in between and what it means to be a hyphenated Unitarian Universalist and possibly beyond hyphenated community of human beings and families and that we are trying to work together to build such a world. And I started to think, lest you think I'm talking about tattoos as some device or some division that's generational, I wanted to look up, what one of my favorite um, books is called Tattoos on the Heart by Gregory O'Boyle. He's a Catholic priest and he works in Los Angeles and he was working with gangs there. So what's a tattoo there but uh, a gang identifier? And he realized that as he was able to work with the men, mostly men, some women who were really caught in gang violence and became willing to change their minds, they had tattoos that expressed who they were no longer. 
I don't know if I should tell you one story that uh, in particular, he start, so they, they started, a, the very first business they started was a tattoo removal parlor. Because one man went before the judge and on his forehead what he had tattoo was F you the world. And Gregory O'Boyle realized, you're not going to get very far in <laughs> our legal system with that, with leading with that. So I wanted to look up how do we remove our identities. And, and we have people here who say, you know, I'm no longer Christian, I'm no longer what, but at the same time, that past still informs you And it may be the thing that gets you to come to church on Sunday morning. Well, that's how I grew up, so I come still. It's a habit. But do you realize they now have tattoos that can tell what your blood sugar is? So you can get tattoos that tell you if your blood sugar is a certain point. So I just wanted to bring in the science of tattoos. We are a thoughtful, scientific people. But mostly I want us to consider the complicated questions of what it means to have more than one identity. And we all have more than one identity. And what those labels mean and how those labels are helpful and limiting and how we tend to use a label to ignore really the complicated history. So I started thinking about uh, who mentioned that we have... Oh, I know. Um, When you walk down to children's religious education, there are stamps of famous Unitarian Universalists, which is one kind of history, like Statues of Lee are one kind of history. And have we looked fully at what history are we not telling with our symbols or with our images? What are we missing? There were people of color who were Unitarian Universalists from early on, who were Unitarian or Universalist. Walt Whitman, gay, Unitarian. If we're a welcoming congregation, should we start looking for images that we're missing here? If we want to really be open and affirming, do we have images of people of color, Native Americans? We have someone who asked us to change the sign we have on the front door because we didn't mention people of different abilities. Do we have any of those pictures of famous Unitarians struggling with different abilities? That hyphen. So I'm sorry today I end you with a sermon that really has more questions that I don't have answers for, but that's why I'm in community, because I don't have to have all the answers. And it's a conversation we need to have over and over again. And let me back up and say why I'm Buddhist why Unitarian Universalism isn't enough at this point, or I need to identify because we don't have all of the tools and rituals for looking inside yourself with uh, rigor. And while we have principles and we have sources, do they all make clear that Compassion for everyone is what matters. 
And that's what I want to bring into my Unitarian Universalism. And I suspect you can all say, this is what I bring into my Unitarian hyphen Universalism. May it be so.